Would you open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 23? Psalm 23. And uh, I think for us to understand the mission and the purpose of the church in the world, I think we have to understand what God's mission and purpose is in the world. I think we need to connect with what God is doing and trying, instead of trying to make God bless what we are doing, especially if it might be contrary to what he's up to. So, so what is God up to in the world? And I think we need to take a look at that. And I think because of our culture, we have this tendency to assume a wrong understanding about what that is. We assume that God's purpose in this world is all about us. All right? And although it's true, you know, that God's for us and, and God loves us, God does provide for us, He's a shield about you, God's purpose goes well beyond me. All right? What He's up to it goes well beyond me. And so I want to look at probably one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, Psalm 23, and the first part of it. Now, you can follow along in your Bibles this morning. We also have it on the, the screen. Uh, look at it with me, would you please? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I want to stop there. So, so God is shepherding us. He's leading us. He's providing for us. He's giving us a place of peace. All right? He's, he's restoring us. He's loving us. So you can see God's activity towards us. So that is a part of it, his activity towards us. And, and it looks like we are the point. But look at the root of his motivation at the end of verse 3. You see it there? For his name's sake. He does all of this for his name's sake. So why does God love you? Why does God take care of you? Why does God provide for you? It's to show how loving and full of grace and caring he is. It's for the praise of the God of all creation. That's what it's for. Think about it this way. A cat goes, oh, my owner feeds me, cares for me, he cleans up after me, I must be God. (laughs) A dog, though, a dog goes, my owner, my master, feeds me, cares for me, cleans after me, he must be God, which... Which is why when you come home, your dog is all over you. And unless you have .00001% of cats, your cat could care less at your home. (laughs) Far too many Christians are feline in the way that they respond to God. and, And if we're the point, then everything else falls apart. The point is God. And we see in the Bible a story of God choosing people who would be the ones who would reveal how wonderful God is to the world. He started with Abram. 
And then his, his descendants who grew up to be the people of Israel, the, the Jews. And then Jesus came to make a way for whosoever believeth in him, right? He made a way for them to be joined with others who believe, to become the carriers of, message, of the message of God's goodness and glory and grace to the world. And we, Crossroads Church, each and every one of us here today are watching on the live stream, we are a part of that people. We are a part of that nation, that community called Christians. Who's a Christian this morning? Aren't you glad you're a Christian? I am. We're a part of, of that group. It's a much bigger group than ourselves. And the church, according to Matthew chapter 28, has a purpose. Do you remember what that purpose is? Go, make disciples, right? We're to go and make disciples as Jesus goes with us. That is our mission. We're to go, we're to make disciples. So the purpose of the church is glorifying God. According to Jesus' commission, is to make disciples by teaching them all that he has commanded us, right? That's in there as well. All that he taught that we have right here in, in our Bibles. And he said, do it with me. Because I'm with you to the end of the age. So, so we go, we do those things, and we know that Christ is in a, with us and in us in that process. We're to do all that as we go about our daily lives. Lives full of children and full of numbers, full of sales, full of mechanics or full of food full of nursing, whatever your career might be, in our everyday routines, we are to be and make disciples as Jesus walks alongside of us. And that's our mission here at Crossroads. I've seen it around the building. Mission is up there. The purpose is up there. It says that we are to be about growing the connected, right? Why do we do that? Why do we need to grow the connected? It's so that we can reach the disconnected. We're to grow and we are to reach. If we're not growing as Christians, we can't reach out. You know, if we're not growing in our faith life as Christians, we don't want to reach out. So we need to grow as Christians so that we have the power and the energy and the passion to reach out and our communities around here are the mission field. The people that we work with, people we go to school with, people at the grocery store, the people at the gas station. Those are all people who need to know about Jesus Christ and, and we as believers are to have this passion this desire for them to want to know what we know about Jesus. And want to have a life that is filled with worshiping Jesus Christ. So we are to be about worshiping Jesus, living for Jesus, 
loving Jesus, praying to Jesus, falling on Jesus, and being like Jesus so that we can be disciples and so that we can make disciples. The question is then, how do we do that? How do we grow as a disciple so that we can then reach out to the world around us? What does a a maturing disciple look like? And I want to cover these three things in the next three weeks. And I've talked about them before, but it's good now in this time of change to refresh what is our purpose? What is our mission? How do we live our lives for Jesus Christ? So I want to do that this morning and talk about what it means to seek God. Because we do that, we live out that purpose by seeking God, by sharing life with each other, and by serving each other and the world around us. Seeking, sharing, serving. Would you say that with me? Seeking, sharing, serving. Yeah, say it one more time, would you? Seeking, sharing, serving. Yeah, you remember, I always have you talk, right? I have you preach right along with me. That's one way that we build disciples, all right? So seeking, sharing, serving, that's what we are called to do. This is how we live out that mission of growing and reaching out. And we do that not just on Sunday, but in every aspect of our life, and hopefully that we share our Christian lives with others who who don't know Jesus. And I want us to look at those key elements in the next three weeks. So let's start with, with seeking this morning, okay? Look at Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn there? The Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark. And then go to chapter 12. And look at verse 30. Jesus is in a conversation about what's the most important thing that we can do as a God follower, as a disciple, as a Christian. What's the most important thing? And here's what it says. It says that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Would you read that with me? Love the Lord your God. Are you with me? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was alone for a minute. Okay, here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Yeah, with with everything, right? That, That pretty much covers it. So the most important thing that we can do as a believer is go to church. Right? Is that what it says? No, it's not what it says, is it? That might be a part of it. The most important thing that we can do as a believer is servant children's church. Isn't that true, Allie? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Figured I'd get an amen from over here on this side. That may be a part of it, but that's not what it says, right? The most important thing that we can do is what? Love God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we need to love God. Turn to the person on the other side. We need to love God. There you go. This, this is the orientation Sunday where you get used to me, right? And I get used to you. So that's what we do when we seek God is, is, is we love God. It, it, and, and it's a way that, that we seek Him and love Him 
Now, now loving, seeking, and, and worshiping God walk hand in hand. And so I want to take you to a passage this morning that's on worship, but it's also going to clarify what it means for us to love God and to seek God as a disciple and as a disciple maker. Okay? And actually, I want to highlight some barriers that we find here in the text to loving and seeking and worshiping God. So turn now to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 4. And I want to begin with verse 7, all right? So Jesus is walking through Samaria. He's, he's, he's been in Capernaum up on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful area. If you've never been there, if you've never, never been to Israel, I'd encourage you to go sometime. It's wonderful. I've been there. I've been up to the Sea of Galilee, taken a boat ride on it. It's just, it's incredible. But the Capernaum area is, is just great. And so now he's headed down to Jerusalem. To get to Jerusalem, he's got to pass through Samaria or go around Samaria. Most Jews would go around Samaria because they didn't get along very well with the Samaritans. But Jesus has a divine appointment, and so he's headed through Samaria. If you have maps on the, in the back of your Bible, you can look and see where Capernaum is, where Samaria is, where Jerusalem is. And you can see that he's traveling down a route then that takes him right into Samaria. He gets there, and he sends his disciples off to look for food. And then Jesus sits down just to rest for a while, wait, as they're getting food and waiting for that divine appointment that God has made for him. And a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. You're probably all familiar with this, this story. A woman comes to the well to draw water, and Jesus asks for a drink. Now in verse 10, look at what Jesus says to her. So this is John chapter 4, and actually verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? And Jesus answered, verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So here's the first barrier to fully loving, and seeking God. I want you to examine these barriers as we go through them. Is this a barrier for me? Is this a barrier for Crossroads Church? So here's the first barrier. Drinking from the wrong well. Jesus outlines the difference between drinking from an earthly well that, that satisfies for a moment and drinking from a well that's from Jesus and that satisfies forever. How can you say you love God and are seeking God when you're drinking from the wrong well? 
didn't hear an amen, but I know, I know it was there. Thank you. If you're drinking from the wrong well, how can you say that you're seeking God? Seeking what the world has to offer above what God has to offer. Jesus says, if you're drinking from the world's wells, you'll be thirsty again. It'll not fill you up. And, and I want to give you three wells that our world wants you to drink from. And again, look at these, think about these. Do they have a play in your life? Here are three wells that the world wants us to drink from. And the first one is this, money and comfort. We love trinkets and toys, don't we? Trinkets and toys are nice. And this is a dangerous thing because the new stuff we buy becomes old very quickly, right? We've hardly worn off the sticker before we replace it with something new. And we keep going from trinket to toy and trinket to toy and we keep drawing from that well and it feels good for a second. Those, those new clothes, that new house, that new car, that new video game, whatever it is that you collect, those trinkets and toys, and you feel great for a moment, right? Feels great. And we get sucked into this false quenching of thirst that will be next summer's garage sale item. This well will never satisfy. Never satisfy. Second well is this, relationships and sex. Wow, first Sunday here and I'm already talking about sex. Yeah, you're going to like me. Relationships and sex. We're infatuated with these things and neither of these things are wrong, all right? They're not wrong until you elevate them above what God created them for and above seeking and loving God. When we elevate them above that, that's where the problem is. And we've blown these things out of their proper proportion of what God has intended for them. Extramarital affairs have become accepted as normal. And the lust of the flesh and sexual immorality is glorified beyond the parameters of which God intended for them to be. Sex is for a husband and a wife who are married. God has ordained marriage and defined it as the covenant relationship between a biological man and a biological woman and himself. He's a part of that covenant. When we give those vows in a, in a marriage ceremony, they're making that covenant to God and God becomes a part of that covenant. It's a sacred, it's a, it's a holy thing. Among many other negative cultural developments over the last several decades, the general acceptance of sex outside of marriage and other sexual sins, including homosexuality, uh, and, uh, is a sinful behavior. It's offensive to God and to the wonderful creation of humankind. And it's running rampant in our country. Relationship and sex, well, number two. Well, number three is this, respect and success. Respect and success. We love to be the one that everyone looks at, that everyone points to, 
We lust after the acceptance of our friends and peers so much, so much that we're willing to live a lie to get it. Whatever it takes to be accepted, even if it's not true about them. We're willing to do anything for respect and success, including emotionally and even physically harming others in order to get the favor of our peers. I know it's hard to hear, but it's true. We do it all the time. Friends, what more affirmation do you need than the cross of Jesus Christ? God loves you just as you are. You are good enough. Isn't that an old phrase that you used a lot here at Crossroads? You are good enough. With all your flaws, with all your pimples, and, and even sin. Romans 5, 8 still says this. I checked it just this week. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I'm so glad he did. Just as we are. Your approval is woven into the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Not what other men and women think of you or say about you. So the world tells us, love and seek these things. Drink from these, these wells. Money, comfort, relationships, sex, respect, and success. And when we put these things about loving above loving and seeking God, then that, there's a word for that in the Bible. It's called idolatry. And God says, seek me above everything else. All these things that you want will come into your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you, the Bible says. Drink from the right well, Christian. Okay? Drink from the right well, Crossroads Church. Seek God above all. And you are on the road to discipleship. Seek it, you're on the road to discipleship. Teach others to love God, and you're fulfilling the Great Commission. Seek it yourself, you're on the road to discipleship, but actually teach it to others, and you're fulfilling that Great Commission. That's why we get together here on Sunday mornings for church. Or online, if you're not here in person. So that we can, we can seek God, we can love God, we can worship God along with the the singers on the platform, the musicians that are up here, they're leading us to this place where we worship God, where it's not dependent on how good we sound. I mean, that helps. I've, I've stood next to a few of you, and you notice I only did that once. It had nothing to do with whether you showered or not before you came to church. God says, make a joyful noise. Keep on making that noise. We worship God together. We seek God together. That's, that's why when we sing, we have the words up on the screen so you can sing along. So that we can sing this in unison. This is who we are as a church. 
Again and again, we will, we will continue to praise you. You know, you are the promise keeper. And we say that as a community, God, you are a promise keeper. And we believe that you will keep your promise to us as a church, as well as to us individually. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings. That's why we worship. That's why we, we pray for each other. That's why we, we give in the offering. It's, it's, it's a part of who we are as a community. That's, why the youth, that's what the youth are doing on Wednesday evening. That's why they, they gather together. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible so that we can know Jesus. We want to know Him together. That's why we sometimes fast from food as believers. Sometimes as a church. At, at Sully, we did that one, one weekend. We decided, let's just go without food and seek God instead. That's, that's an incredible thing to do for a believer. I don't know if you've ever done that here. I know that some, for health reasons, cannot do that. But there are things that you can do instead. But, but fasting from food is, is, is one of those things that, that we can do to draw closer to God. To, to seek to hear His voice. And that's why we give of our treasures. To show God that we love Him more than anything. That's why we give in the offering. It's because, God, You have given us so much. We want to give back a part of what you've given to us. These are all ways that we seek God together. Look at verse 16 here in in John, the Gospel of John. He told her, that's Jesus, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, You've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What do you, what you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you're a prophet. He goes on to say, I think, is that it? No, that's it. Okay, so here's the second barrier. The second barrier to loving and seeking God is this unrepentant, unconfessed sin. Unrepentant, unconfessed sin. This is why the woman is at the well at noon. She's she's living in shame. She's hiding from a culture that views her as unclean. And Jesus addresses her sin. He doesn't love her less because of it, but he addresses it. What did he say to the woman caught in the act of adultery? He said, go and sin no more, right? Go and sin no more. Living with unconfessed sin in your life will, without a doubt, hinder your ability to love and to seek God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It affects your ability to hear God and learn from God and fulfill His plans and purposes For your life. Sin comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? Confess it. Repent of it. Because you were created to love and to seek God. And if you don't seek God, you'll seek something else. Something other than God will never be fulfilling in the long run for you. It may fulfill that moment, but it won't be lasting. So to repent and confess is a way that we seek God. 
here at Crossroads Church. That's what seeking God is about, which is what we as a church want to be doing. We want to be seeking Him. So we, we look for those things in our own lives and in the life of the church. One more barrier to seeking God, and then I'm done. It's in verse 20. The woman says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. And that's the third one. Ignorance. That's the third hindrance. Ignorance. You worship what you do not know. We are a culture that's been given permission to create God in our own minds and worship a God of our own creation. We want to accept the fact that God is loving, but I don't want to accept His judgment for sin. That's the culture we live in. I love God's kindness. Don't tell me about his wrath. I don't want to be a part. I don't want that to be a part of the the God that I create. We, We remake God. The Bible, the God of the Bible is scary sometimes. You know, sometimes in my prayers, I'll say, God, I love you, but you scare me sometimes. When I think about your holiness, when I think about your righteousness, when I think about how just you are and I look at myself and I'm not holy and I'm not righteous and I'm not just I'm selfish and it's scary to think of that when we think about God but that's a part of who God is and it's that that draws us to Him to this loving God worship of God always suffers when man is exalted and God is belittled. We need to know God for who He really is and then throw ourselves on His mercy and and discover His holiness. Seeking and loving God comes from the reality that we are rebellious, wicked sinners, and God has loved us in Christ. Amen? So, this is what we want to be doing here at Crossroads as a disciple of Jesus. Seeking God at Crossroads is about an honest, heartfelt desire to know God and to live in His will. As we move forward, we need to remember that. We need to be challenged by that. We need to evaluate ourselves. We need to evaluate the church and say, are we in God's will? Am I in God's will? And then don't be afraid of the answer. God is a loving God. There's many times when I've missed God's will. For some reason, I thought I knew better. Then I discovered I don't. It's okay to realize that and repent of that and seek God and His will. And we do that by drinking from the right well, putting God first and above the ways of our culture. We, we put God above the selfishness of, of who I am sometimes. 
seeking God because he provides something that is much more satisfying than the world offers. Seeking is something we do individually as well as a church. We need to spend more time on our knees, praying for each other, crying out for forgiveness, and then living out the wonderful mercy and grace of God in our lives. I want you to know God, friends. In this time that I'm here with you, I want you to know God, to know how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ toward you. And if you are not connected to Jesus, be connected. Be part of this church. Be part of all that goes on in her. Connect with people. And seek God heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. There is so much that we can learn from it. We need the truth of your word in our lives. We need to know that you are God and we are not because sometimes we like to think that we are, but we are not. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us as a church, as a congregation, just to be the people of God that you have called us to. Help us to live for you. Help us to drink from the well that that you offer, Father. Help us to know you, to know you in deeper and deeper ways, not just through our Bible study and prayer, but through community, the community of this church, Help us to grow as disciples and help us to reach out to those in our community that are not connected. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.